I really see deeper learning. If it's done well, I think it is the great equalizer because I think, again, what we see so often in the legacy model of school is that the kids who get to have those rich, meaningful learning experiences are kids who, whose parents can take them to robotics or who's, um, who are in gifted programs where they're doing, where they feel like they already have the basics. So, you know, now we can, we can do something bigger. And, and, I, and, and our philosophy, and I, and I believe, of, you know, anyone whose philosophy is truly rooted in deeper learning believes that everyone gets the opportunity, everyone. And then we provide supports as needed to help lead to the learning outcomes that we want. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. What are some essential strategies that district leaders should put into place to make sure that all students have the ability to engage in deeper learning? How can school leaders and teachers collaborate more effectively to maximize impact on diverse groups of students? What are some ways to strike the appropriate balance between structure and agency when implementing project-based learning practices? We discuss these questions and much more with Dr. Carmen Coleman, Chief Academic Officer of Jefferson County Public Schools in Kentucky. In 2018, Dr. Coleman launched the What's in Your Backpack video series, with each episode focusing on a specific aspect of the Backpack of Student Success Skills Development. The program focuses on providing students with a backpack full of universal essential skills, such as critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, and communication. Students fill their virtual backpacks with examples of their work and defend that work during the school year. It has proven quite successful with all students, including English language learners. Dr. Coleman previously served as an associate clinical professor at the University of Kentucky in the Department of Educational Leadership Studies. She was the program coordinator for the Principal Preparation Program and the director of the Next Generation Leadership Academy. Before joining the University of Kentucky, Dr. Coleman served as superintendent of Danville Independent Schools. Previously, she was director of elementary schools in Fayette County. She began her career in Scott County, where she worked as a teacher and a principal. Before we get started, I also wanted to mention that I met Dr. Coleman through Season 1 Highest Aspirations guest Donna Neary, who teaches high school social studies to English learners in Louisville, Kentucky. She is part of a team that piloted the Accelerate to Graduate program at her school. Donna's role on the team is to teach U.S. history, world history, exploring civics, global issues, and humanities. If you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend checking it out. You'll learn a lot about implementing project-based learning with diverse groups of students. Let's get started. Dr. Carmen Coleman, welcome to Highest Aspirations. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. 
We're really happy to have you. Um, you this is a follow-up episode to the episode we did during season one with your colleague, uh, Donna Neary, who runs the Accelerate to Graduate program um, down there in Jefferson County and uh, has done some really amazing things with English language learners. She recommended you to come on to kind of talk about how this works sort of from a leadership perspective. Um, so I want to start off right there. You met Donna um, at a conference where you're presenting on, on personalized learning. I'm curious what your initial impressions about her idea of this program were at the time. And if you could start off by giving us sort of a brief recap of what the Accelerate to Graduate program uh, is. Sure. So um, the Accelerate to Graduate program is for um, uh, students who are English language learners who have, um, you know, come to our country um, very, you know, often they come, you know, they're, they're older. Um, so this particular program focuses on students from 18 to 21. Um, so typically at a time when, you know, they would have aged out kind of of the, of the public school system, but um, Donna saw such a need because they, you know, often they come, they haven't had any formal education um, or very little. So, you know, we, we, we want them to be successful and we, we saw such a need um, to support this population with an opportunity like this. We, we just didn't want to say, you know, we're sorry, we can't help you any, anymore. You're, you're too old or you're, you know, whatever. So, so Donna's idea um, was to create a program to meet that need um, in a very, you know, and obviously that kind of program just by its nature calls for a very personalized approach to mm -hmm. learning. Um, she has students that, um, I mean, they, they speak, you know, they, they might all speak different languages. And so, so Donna, you know, attended that, that personalized learning workshop and, was really um, sharing with me her ideas and thinking about how, you know, how logistically that would work and how just kind of the, um, you know, what she wanted to be the foundation for the program, which um, is a very project-based approach. So, you know, she is, um, Donna's very good and very, um, determined to make sure that their learning experiences are real, authentic mm -hmm. learning. I mean, these are young adults at this point. And so, um, you know, she is not only trying to acclimate them to the, to the culture and, and um, educate them, um, you know, academically, but, but also, um, helping them to create um, a successful pathway um, for their future. Sure. Yeah. And I'll just, just pause for a second and say, if you haven't listened to uh, the episode with Donna and you want to know more about that program, you can go back and listen to that during season one and we'll link to it in the show notes. We're going to focus more 
um, on, on, on Carmen's role here in leadership, but uh, we talk a lot about that program um, then. So it's a really interesting story of how you and Donna met and then later worked together. I know that she applied and was accepted to participate in your Next Generation Leadership Academy. Could, yeah. you tell us, could you tell us a little bit more about that program and how you think Donna and people like her who want to work with these kinds of students fit into that program? Sure. So um, when I met Donna, I was in, I was a clinical professor at the University of Kentucky. Um, I have been a teacher, a principal, a superintendent, um, and I joined the faculty at the University of Kentucky in 2014, um, much because of their um, the, the dedication of that faculty to um, to work with, you know, the P12 system. And, and that was a real value for them. They really believed that the university needed to play a very active role in the P12 system. And, and so they had started the year before I arrived, they started um, what they called the Next Generation Leadership Academy. And that academy was an effort to bring, and, and still is, um, an, an effort to bring people together, teams of teachers and leaders from districts across Kentucky um, together who want to think differently about the school experience and right. who, who feel strongly that the school experience, that um, the legacy school model is is outdated and and obsolete really and so um then an, um, a big challenge for me when i when i joined was to um take take that uh next generation leadership program that was kind of a it's a professional development um opportunity and let that um, become the foundation for our leadership development programs. Mm -hmm. So we designed our principal preparation program around the academy principles. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah. And so Donna, um, after I met her, she applied um, for our program and is in the program now. Yep. And we talked a little bit about that as well in the episode, and she has nothing but great things to say about it. And I think, you know, sort of uh, bringing that into the world that, that we are in here at High Aspirations and Elevation, you know, you talk about sort of uh, how that legacy model is, is, is broken, um, certainly uh, is the case as well for working with diverse groups of students that you all are working with down there and the students that Donna's working with, those English language learners. That's right. So that's great. Um, so... Focusing a little bit more on, you know, when you became, uh, you sort of found yourself working as a chief academic officer at Jefferson County right. with Donna as your colleague, you know, getting away from the whole fate of that and how that all worked out, which is great. Um, I'm curious how you went about, uh, you obviously were knew her and were probably excited about the Accelerate to Graduate program at that time, but then you were in a position where you, you sort of had to figure out how to support that work. So how did you go about doing that as a, as a school leader? 
Right. So um, it, it was really remarkable to me that when I met Donna, that her principal had, you know, realized what a need this was and, and how important it was to bring that group of, of students, you know, young adults into, um, you know, into the community to, to have a successful transition and to be able to, to have a, a good future. And so I was, I was so excited by the fact that knowing there were people like that here who were willing to think outside of the box about um, what school can be and what population it, you know, serves. I mean, they certainly, we've certainly broadened our thinking about that. And, um, and what I especially love about it is that our focus here, the, the number one priority of our board that was um, established in our Vision 2020 strategic plan was deeper learning, a, a, a deeper learning experience um, for every child mm -hmm. um, as they travel through this, the, you know, their years of schooling. And so, so that, you know, what, what Donna has done through Accelerate to Graduate is truly give us a model for what is authentic, meaningful learning um, for, you know, for everyone. I mean, that's, that's the kind of experience we want for all of our students. Um, right. You know, yeah. And you're, I think you're getting into what my next question is, which is, you know, in, in the episode that we did with, with Donna, we, we focused largely on the work that she was doing with those ELs who are in, in danger of, of aging out that project-based learning approach that, that she and her team created um, allowed her students not only to access high-quality learning experiences, but also to really get into that deeper learning and eventually graduate from high, from high school as well. So you just started to get into this, but I'd love to hear more about um, your perspective on, on how the work of A2G, Accelerate to Graduate, um, has served as a model for others um, in Jefferson County and beyond uh, to learn from. Sure. So, you know, there's a real, I have found now after years of, of trying to help schools um, move in this direction, um, you know, a, 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 a deeper learning and an experience rooted in the, the, the principles of deeper learning. What I have seen over and over again is that there's a real, um, there's a real myth that exists around the idea that a student has to have kind of the basics, whatever that is, right? But the basics before they can experience deeper learning kinds of, you know, kinds of things. And, and so it's, it's been so, I mean, Donna's students don't have, certainly don't have what we would consider the basics again whatever that is <laughs> whatever that is i mean they're brand new to the country or uh, you know uh, have only been here a short time they don't speak the language um so certainly reading in our language and you know that is i mean they 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 can't do that at that point and so but what donna has done is to help show the power 
of immersing kids in experiences that matter to them. And even when they speak a different language, um, the learning that occurs is so far beyond what would occur if they were doing something like sitting in a classroom making uh, note cards with vocabulary words. And it's not that she doesn't do some of that. I mean, we all mm -hmm. know that there's a balance to be had, right? And so, but, but what she has shown is that what we have to do is, is put kids in the game. We right. can't make them sit on the sidelines and watch until they meet some, whatever it is we've decided they need to meet. We've got to put them in the game and they will learn as they play. Yeah. It, you know, I, lo I love it that you mentioned experiences that matter to them mm -hmm. and how that really has an impact on learning. And I think that's a key part of, uh, of, of any project-based learning initiative that is implemented correctly. But at the same time, if, if it's not implemented correctly, and I, I've been guilty of this as I kind of oh. dabbled in project-based learning in my classes, and that is, you know, sort of creating experiences that are good intentioned, but perhaps are, are rather shallow or are giving students these projects that maybe are a little bit vague and they're not really getting the experiences that they were intended to get out of them. So my question, and Donna is not doing this. She's doing this masterfully. And if, again, if you listen to that episode, she tells some stories of these students in, in, in situations that are just extraordinary. But I'm curious as a district leader, um, how do you ensure that these types of learning experiences are meaningful, particularly for subgroups like Yale's? What are you looking for that says to you, this is deeper learning, this is working, and it's not just some project for the sake of checking off a box that we're doing project-based learning? Yeah. And so that is such, that is exactly where we are as a district right now is trying to find that because you are so right. And as a teacher myself, I would have said, oh yeah, I do projects. And yeah. <laughs> I might have even called it project-based learning. But what that actually meant was I taught the, we, you know, read the chapter in the book. I taught the unit. I taught the lessons. We might've done some hands-on activities and, and then we would have the test at the end of the unit. And then I might assign a project that most likely was done at home by parents that <laughs> maybe, right. and yeah. that, um, really did not further the learning right? It was fun and nice to do, but it was not the essential vehicle for the learning. And that's, you know, right now we, with everybody, with all populations, I mean, we are really focusing on quality. We have a set of what we call quality work indicators. And um, we use those as our filter and we and those are um, descriptors like um, uh, the work is done for an authentic audience. Yeah, um, that's a so crucial one right there. It is the work is a is a real product, not a school. Um, you know a you know some kind of you know school kind of task. Mm -hmm. So. 
those conversations right now are, are the, I mean, that really is the conversation is um, we even just yesterday, we've created this um, before and after kind of um, little work. It's a, like a little worksheet kind of thing for mm-hmm. to help guide discussions. So it's kind of a protocol in a way. So what I've done is just list. Um, I tried to think of what are some really typical assignments that we see. And so, um, you know, I have a, a kid that did research on Hurricane Katrina. And then he, um, just, he shared his research in a PowerPoint. And so, you know, I watched it and I'm like, all right, so what? I mean, okay, well, I mean, is it, are we, are we concerned that we might have a hurricane in Kentucky? No, that's not a, that's not a risk for us. So Mm -hmm. what's the, so what? And so we've, we've shaped that as a, so that's a before. And so, you know, I've, said to the group yesterday. So now let's look at the quality work descriptors and let's think about what would make this, um, what would be a good after, you know, let's say, all right, we, you know, it's kind of that eat this, not that (laughs) idea. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so we, we ended up coming up with, you know, an idea where kids rather than just doing this, open-ended research and reporting out, um, what if they focused on specific populations that are impacted when there is a natural disaster like that? So um, maybe it's homeless people, Mm -hmm. maybe it's animals, you know? So those same quality work descriptors that I'm looking for across the district, I mean, those are those are for everybody, every student. And so, and and what's so awesome about what Donna has done is that she is showing again, that it is, it is effective and impactful, even with a group of students who don't speak the language. I mean, it works. We know it works. So, um, yeah, we're really using that as a leverage point, and it is the focus of the of our work right now. Yeah, that's great that you can use her work as an example um, and as a model of how to create. I think you call them um, the the quality work descriptors, um, and it seems like they're very the the couple that you that you gave and the examples that you gave really go back to what you said about experiences that matter. Mm-hmm. Does doing a PowerPoint on Hurricane Katrina matter if it is not, uh, you know, related specifically to something that is that affects the student? Now, it was, obviously, an event like that affects everyone on a profound level, but a lot of time has passed by. Many of these students are sort of unfamiliar with the, um, with the kind of... Uh, uh, you know, acute reaction that, that, that happened nationwide when an event like that happened. But how do you bring it, uh, how do you make it more personal and how do you create a deeper learning experience? Yeah. So I love that, the, the, the idea of designing um, uh, those descriptors uh, for everybody in an equitable way. And I want to get to equity in just a second. But before I do that, uh, um, you just coming, we talked a lot about this experiential learning um, with uh, Accelerate to Graduate students and what you're trying to do at the district now. I'm, I'm curious how you see, again, as a school leader, 
this kind of experiential learning or project-based learning that these A2G students are engaged in, how, how do you see it helping their language skills as they come into the country and need to learn these new English skills? Yeah. Well, I think for one, when, when the, you know, when the work is meaningful and authentic um, and when you have to, you know, very often this kind of work involves working with other people, you have to communicate. And so they have to find a way to do that. And, and I also think, and I use this, this is a really simple example, but, um, you know, when you, you think about when you, when you learn to play a sport, mm-hmm. for example, you, you know, what I love to do is to ask a group of teachers, you know, who's ever coached a team? Oh yeah, I've coached soccer. I've coached basketball. All right. So you coach, let's say you, you get the players at the first practice and, and maybe they're pretty inexperienced, right? These are, let's just say that they don't know um, really a lot. What are you going to do first, right? What are you going to do first? Well, you're going to, you know, you might start having them, if it's soccer, you might start by teaching them to dribble, right? You might mm-hmm. start um, different ways. And within that, there are many vocabulary terms that are really important, whether it's a sport, a hobby, you know, and yet we would never dream of having them, of of starting to coach a team by having them sit um, at a table and take notes from a PowerPoint. Right, right. Right. And we would never dream of saying, okay, little six-year-old basketball players, what we want you to do are to take these vocabulary terms that have to do with basketball, and we want you to use each one in a sentence. That is not an experience that matters. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) And so I think language development for ELs comes about so much in that same way. When they're immersed in the experience, the necessity to communicate and to communicate about something that you are trying to accomplish that matters, right? Just um, it just really provides a vehicle for making that um, making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it's a real thing and they're doing something out in the community and not just in the school. And again, I keep referring to that episode that I did with Donna, but there's, there's one particular example that she gave that sticks in my mind and that I, that I repeat frequently here at work and, and on different episodes of the podcast is um, there was, uh, she's working with a student then, and there are a few students and they were building kind of an earth or a clay oven, I think in a park. Um, and, and they, <clears throat> they had to work with uh, sort of a foreman who was the person putting together the the oven. Um, that was going to be something like a legacy to the community. People could use it. And one of the students, because they had experience with this kind of thing uh, in their home country, said, you know, this isn't the way that I do it. I'm not sure they're doing it right. And so I think it was Don who's encouraged uh, the student to to talk to the person and say, hey, here's how we do it. The student did that with their limited English and had to use the vocabulary that just as you're describing now, and I see such like an incredible connection and value in that, like not only for that student, but perhaps also for the foreman, the person who maybe would not have had that connection with a student from another country had it not been something like this. So we often think, think about this in terms of 
what the students are getting out of it. And I think that's crucially important. But there's also the community element as well. I mean, I don't know anything about the foreman and who this person was, but to, 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 to have that kind of uh, connection for both parties is just so valuable. Right, right. Yeah, I think, I mean, so rewarding too for, I mean, our community, you know, I'm new still to Louisville, but I think our community really embraces um, the, the, the different groups of people that we have. It's very diverse. Um, And, and I think, you know, just like Donna's work, um, I mean, it's just rewarding for everyone to feel like, you know, you've been able to, to contribute to someone's success and especially someone, I mean, gosh, who hasn't even been in the country for, you know, maybe a year, maybe two, I mean, maybe, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's remarkable to see that, that, um, that exchange. Yeah, another episode for another time, the school and community connection there too. Right, but that's right, right. Really interesting. So let's zoom out a little bit. Um, you and I have talked about programs like these promote equity among all learners. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit more about the equity piece and how you see it growing and particularly as it's related to deeper learning? Yeah, so I really see deeper learning, if it's done well, you know, if it's done well and done right, I think it is the great equalizer because I think, again, what we see so often in the legacy model of school is that the kids who get to have those rich, meaningful learning experiences are kids who whose parents can take them to robotics or whose. who are in gifted programs where they're doing, where they feel like they already have the basics. So, you know, now we can, we can do something bigger. And, and I, and, and our philosophy, and I, and I believe, you know, anyone whose philosophy is truly rooted in deeper learning believes that everyone gets the opportunity, everyone. And then we provide supports as needed to help lead to the learning outcomes that we want. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's that same idea. We don't, you know, put a kid on, on the sideline, you know, in a basket when they're learning to play basketball because they can't quite dribble yet. What we're going to do is personalize for that kid. And, and we're going to say, all right, you're going to work on dribbling. Let me show you what that looks like. And then you're going to do something completely different with students who are at a different place, but, but everybody's in the game. Right. And that's, what's, that's, what's important. Absolutely. And different ways of sort of showcasing their skills, um, which, which leads me to um, another thing that I wanted to make sure we address during this time we have, which is your, um, your digital backpacks program. Yes. Um, I'd love it if you could describe it for our listeners and talk about how it allows diverse learners to showcase their skills in different ways. Because I think given our, most of our listeners are involved with, uh, with English language learners, this particular program I think will resonate with many as a way to make sure that there is sort of an equitable way not only to instruct students, but also for them to showcase their skills and what they've learned. Sure. So um, when I started here, 
um, in Jefferson County. Um, I learned as a superintendent um, the power of starting with the outcomes we want. So, so that's a that's a simple uh, philosophy, right? And we do that in, in for many many things in life, but but with school, um, we certainly know that that legacy model is not leading to the outcomes that we want. Um, you know, we headlines every day, you can find them that say there are, you know, this many unfilled jobs because we don't have the skill in the workforce or, you know, you, you know all the statistics. So, you know, and then not to mention um, pretty dismal college retention rates. Yep. Um, so, we started in my in my district as superintendent um, really exploring school models that were different that where people were thinking differently about about school and thinking really hard about what they wanted the outcomes to be um, and and so we just decided okay let's just what is it what what is um, what is success for our students, what do we want our diploma to mean? And so, when I came here, that was kind of a—I mean, I, you know, I talked to the person who's now the the superintendent and said, "I mean, this is what I believe. If I could make a rule for every school district in in the country, I would say start with what you want when when students." graduate what do you mm -hmm. want them to have and be able to do and then build the system that leads to those outcomes right and so that Te teachers started. know it as uh, as backwards planning yeah right i mean it's it's such a common um philosophy but it, it sure did not seem to be in place it, you know that legacy model and I have, I have a good friend that always says you know every product is a perfectly designed outcome from the system that created it. So yeah. if we're not getting the outcomes we want, we have to look at the system. It's not by chance that that's happening. So um, we started here by creating that, what many call a graduate profile. Um, and we just, you know, we worked with, um, school staffs and principals and business leaders and our even our teachers union everybody to say you know what are the skills that are most essential for success and then what do those experiences need to look like to get them there and in those conversations I started <laughs> just in trying to explain I started saying you know, so look at a picture of a child who's really important to you and think about if that child came to our district with a backpack that they carried throughout their journey and into their post-secondary life, mm -hmm. what would you want if we could put knowledge and skills into that backpack you know, if those were physical objects, I mean, what would you want us, what do you, what do you want those to be? Right. And, um, 
of course, everybody, you know, the lists are the same, right? We want perseverance. We want problem solvers. We want communicators and collaborators. So we took those and we formed what has has become uh, what we call our um, five success skills. And we knew that then we didn't just want to leave it at that. We've got to bring it to life, right? We've got to know if our kids are really developing these. Yep. So we decided that um, somehow kids needed to collect artifacts in this backpack and um, and then we wanted them to showcase those artifacts at essential transition points along the way. So we decided, okay, at fifth grade, eighth grade, and then as seniors, our students will have to defend their readiness for that next step against these five success skills. So, so then we knew okay, if now we, we really were at that point calling it a backpack and we knew that that had to be a digital collection. And so we um, hired our chief information officer and then his, um, his um, partner in the work here and and said you we have this idea but we don't know how to bring it to life right digitally. you got to bring it to life and so we now are in a collaboration with google edu and amplified it and we have a digital backpack so when our students log in to their google drive in their waffle there is a backpack icon it's our little backpack and they go in and they have a folder for each of the success skills. They continually add artifacts that they feel are good representations of where they are as learners. Um, and then um, they, they do a defense in front of a panel made up of, you know, different, different combinations of people. So, so what we've done essentially is to really broaden the way we think about student success. Mm -hmm. No longer are our students defined by only grades and test scores. Hallelujah. At, right. And so certainly one of the categories is a prepared and resilient learner. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that category, sure, we have, matter of fact, each of our kids have a dashboard in their backpacks that shows um, where they are on various performance indicators as right. well as attendance and behavior. Um, so that includes MAP scores and, you know, ACT scores and, and, Certainly, those things are important. We, we're not saying that they're not, but what we are doing is, is um, describing a, a picture of a successful student that is much, much bigger than how we typically define student success in yeah, the which, model. Which, <clears throat> and correct me if I'm wrong, but which I think inherently allows students with 
sort of different skill levels like those English learners Mm -hmm. to be able to showcase their skills in different ways while some elements of those um, of those five may be less than others, perhaps the grading or whatever the case may be, there are other pieces in there that they can add, which I think is great that they can add on their own and they have the agency to be able to kind of pick and choose what they want to put in that backpack. And, you know, also just as importantly that they're, they're, they're getting access to a tool that, that everybody's using frequently in, in, in their, you know, Google drives, being able to manipulate all that information and then to be able to defend it not only at graduation, which I feel like is a mistake that many districts make, but to have checkpoints along the way, I think is just phenomenal. Yeah, that's what we are so excited about it. And we um, already what we've seen, and you're exactly right. It's the, it's so funny too, because people, I've had so many people who automatically ask um, well, what about, um, what about, what about our ESL students, our, our English learners? What yeah. about our, what about students with, uh, IEPs? And, and for, for those students, I mean, this is, this is for everybody, but this is such an opportunity for them because they can show, you know, otherwise we might say, oh gosh, this, this child has, um, three credits. Um, he's, you know, been in the United States six months or a year. Um, he has not been able to take the ACT, um, because he cannot read the language. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a, that's a, that's a picture that seems pretty overwhelming and defeating yet. Um, you know, now, when they get up to defend, I mean, what we are learning about our students. That's another great piece of it. Yep. Yeah. And it, it starts from a, um, a strengths based approach. Sure. Yep. Not a deficit model. It's about what they can do. And I'm telling you the things, one of our EL students, um, in a high school last week, uh, someone was telling me, I didn't get to see it, but we're going to try to capture it on video. She talked about what it has been like to be, um, you know, uh, new to the country and, and how like someone, she, she actually now has a job, a part-time job at Walmart and how someone there who she works with had basically said, you're, you're never going to be able to do, you know, more than this. I mean, you, you know, I just really discouraged her. And she said, I just can't wait to show her and everyone else what I can do. Yeah. So she's not only getting an education, but she's going to educate others in, in the most, in the most positive way. And, and I think we, you know, we need that we need that now. And I think, you know, you're mentioning a lot of things that, that resonate with me, um, you know, an asset-based approach that this is particularly good for those English language learners. And I say this in almost every episode that we do, but it really comes down to, you know, good instruction for students, EL students or, or students, you know, other students who are in subgroups or, or traditionally marginalized groups is good instruction for everyone. We're not leaving yeah. anyone out here. That's um, right. And I think there's a tendency for people to worry that, oh, we're creating these programs for these students, but what about all the other students? Well, frankly, this is something that's going to serve everyone equally as well. There is, I don't see any 
uh, downside. I see a downside to programs like these, like we were talking about earlier, if they're uh, sort of shallow, not well thought out, but the design that you, you're putting into it, um, the sort of backwards planning, understanding what we want from all of our students, uh, all those things I think do, uh, do uh, go far in ensuring um, a quality experience for all your students. Yeah, that is the goal. And that's, that's really what this is about. And we continually are reminding people, remember the purpose. You know, the purpose mm -hmm. is to change the day-to-day -day experience in the classroom. If we, if we expect our students to be able to show evidence of what they've learned, uh, we've got to give them experiences that will lead to that evidence. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and let's not forget about the day to day. I mean, we, sometimes we have a tendency yeah. to think so much about the future that we forget that, you know, things are happening right now and let's take advantage of that. That's right. That's right. Well, that's great. There's, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but um, as we sort of wrap up here, I, I want to ask you a question that we ask everyone who comes on to the podcast. And uh, that is, is there a book or other resource that's had a, an important influence on you either personally or professionally that you'd like to share with everyone? Sure. So a couple that come to mind right away. One is Tony Wagner's The Global Achievement Gap. Yep. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, creating Innovators, also by Tony Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, there's a book by Justin Wells and Bob Lenz um, called Transforming Schools. And it was so ironic when I, I, when I, after I got to the university from being superintendent where I had learned the power of starting with the outcomes that you want, someone, a colleague said, oh my gosh, have you seen this book called Transforming Schools? What they've written about is exactly what you all were doing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I haven't seen it. But it is for people that are looking for a guide, a map, a roadmap for how to do that, that book is just priceless. It is so good. Well, that's great. I am actually not familiar with that. I am uh, very familiar with Tony Wagner's work and I've read both the books you mentioned by him, but I will take a look at Transforming Schools and as always, we'll post those um, on the blog post that goes with this episode. How can people find more about find out more about what you all are doing down there um, in Jefferson County? Sure. So, um, my I am glad to share. I will say I am glad to share anything we have. And so, um, I am certainly people can connect with me through email. Um, they can follow me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is um, uh, at kids underscore inspire all lowercase. Um, they can, our, our website, you can even Google um, a backpack of success skills, Jefferson County Public Schools. You can find a lot about the backpack. It's our media, um, our media outlets have, have done a great job covering this as it has developed. There's been a lot um, on the news and the paper. Um, we are, you know, we're, we're glad to share. So. Great. Well, we'll, we'll post all those resources and anything else that we uh, come up with on the uh, blog post that goes to this. That'll be at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. 
Um, and just to wrap up, uh, uh, Dr. Carmen Coleman, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on to talk not only about what you're doing with your English language learners, but about how those programs and those initiatives are actually helping all students in your district um, succeed. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. And I'm always glad to share and always looking to learn. So I'd love for people to connect. I would love to talk more. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.